The men I grew up around certainly weren't afraid of blood. They cheered its appearance in boxing matches and action movies, shrugged off skinned knees and oozing wounds with the sort of aloofly performed masculinity that nurtures bucked-up stoic silence and the subtle internal shaming of tears. Those tear-shamed boys grew up comparing battle scars and gaping at each other's skateboarding wounds, opening gashes in opponents' eyebrows behind the row of portable classrooms at our high school, opining for hours on how awesome it was when that guy got his head chopped clean off in Gladiator. They accepted blood with either awe or dismissal, inspiring, awesome, or simply not worth their time. We sang blood in sterile church pews, proclaimed in choral communion its sweet sweetness, its precious flow, its life-saving purchase of our peril, and its scandalous, beautiful healing. We sipped its symbolism from rows of tiny plastic cups. We prayed gratitude for blood, for its holy presence and atonement, for being the source of all life. When I was 14, I misjudged the capacity of a pad and bled my own blood through the seat of a light-colored pair of cutoffs. I have never been more ashamed. Because my blood, the mention of it, could send a grown man into a blush-awkward stammer, a gag-heavy demonstration of disgust, could immediately cast me as something other and foreign and oozing and vile. Knowing I was bleeding could send a boyfriend into uncomfortable giggle fits, make him suddenly hesitant to touch me, usher in a series of eye rolls at my irrational emotions. My blood rendered men neither amused nor awestruck nor aloof. My blood was not impressive, not holy, not insignificant, not worthy of engagement. My blood was repulsive, and my duty was to protect men from knowing it existed at all. So I learned to tuck tampons up my sweater sleeves. I learned the whisper circles of girls who trade and protect and how to stack my shopping cart purchases so that no one would be accidentally burdened by the knowledge of my impending bleed. As I got older, some boys with sisters seemed to tolerate knowing I was on my period. Some particularly evolved partners were even willing to treat me kindly, cooking meals or daring to purchase supplies. Eventually, I met men who were able to greet accidental bloodstains on sheets with humor and a simple run through the laundry. Men who didn't flinch at the idea of period sex, men who held space and did not recoil. And among them, one. One man who ever voluntarily asked me questions about what it was like to have a period how it felt, why I used a cup instead of tampons, how much blood there was, how long it lasted, a litany of questions, answers mysterious to him and known to me since before we entered high school. He asked them without blushing, asked them openly, followed up when the answer surprised him, and suddenly we shared understanding of an experience that had divided us routinely every 28 days on average for the entirety of our lives. The reproductive burden for our species is dramatically skewed in the direction of those with ovaries, and blood is simply part of the deal. Blood monthly, blood always, blood present, blood when we're planning to travel, blood when we're deciding what to wear, blood in our budgets and bedsheets and nauseated calorie-craving bellies. Every month, my body prepares to create a new body. Every month, my body builds and sheds a small organ it may or may not use, and this is a holy 
nothing. As badass as an action movie uppercut, as brave and brutal as a skateboard gash, as commonplace as a scraped knee, as awe-inspiring as new life beginning, a sweet, precious, life-bringing flow, a tragic, holy, hard-wearing truth, the body and blood, the birth and loss and healing, worthy of communion, worthy of connection, worthy of being known. Hi, heathens. Longtime listeners of this show are familiar with the fact that every once in a while, we drop in what we like to call a sexisode. And that is an episode in which we dialogue, very frankly, about sexual behavior and where we come from and how our spiritual backgrounds have impacted our sexual behavior and so much more. So this is one of those episodes. And uh, in fact, it is a uh, part two, a a second time around with Bird Ward, who uh, was in season two and is still uh, to this day, I think the third most listened to uh, episode, most downloaded episode that we've done um, after, after Derek Webb and Jennifer Knapp. There comes Bird Ward. So uh, I know that you guys are going to love hearing from her again. I loved having this conversation, or probably more importantly, or, or more accurately, I should say, uh, listening in on this conversation, because so much of this uh, has to do with um, people who uh, are female identified people with vaginas. Um, and I, I just learned a lot. I learned so much in this conversation and you will too. Um, and there's homework, there's like stuff to go do and learn. Um, boys, men, people with penises, folks who aren't familiar with, uh, the vagina like me, uh, there is, still so much in here for you. Um, In fact, please, please listen. Uh, This is my plea to you to listen to this conversation. Um, No content warning, no trigger warning. uh, And that's just because I'm I'm not trying to reinforce any of the shame story that we have around sex and uh, sexual behavior and and conversation about sex. So uh, there's nothing in here that deals with um, assault or anything like that, uh, as we've we've touched on in some episodes. So no trigger warning. Um, Just listen. Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Hey, Matthew. What was the first time that you had sex? Oh, boy. Um, So sex is a really interesting thing to define when you're an evangelical, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Growing up, I didn't even know that there were, you know, different, diff- I didn't know that there were sexual acts beyond penetrative penis and vagina, male, okay. woman, man, woman, sex, right? Um, how would you have known? How would I have known? <laughs> um, so, so I had an experience in high school with a male classmate that I, I wouldn't call it sex. It was hand 
mm-hmm. and massage and like body contact stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was certainly a giant like a switch that was flipped in my life. Like it was the moment I felt like an innocence mm-hmm. had been broken because mm-hmm. I believed and had been mm-hmm. taught that there was there was a that there was some seal that could be broken, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. my man hymen. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, there, there was, there, there was, there was this, it was very, you know, I, I, I walked away, I wrote a song. Oh, that's what I did. The next day I wrote my, you're me. Uh, yeah. yeah, because I am you, Karen, yeah. and you are me. Um, I wrote a song and it was, it was about, you know, I need forgiveness for this, uh, horrible, atrocious, abominable act that happened that mm. I did, that I participated in. Mm. And, um, I even remember my mom, I don't know if I, I used to sing all my songs for my mom. <laughs> I don't know if I sang her that one. Uh, or if she, I think she actually found it. Like, I think she oh, found the lyrics or whatever. I was like, what? what is this about, Matthew? Um, it seems like we got cats trying to leave Cat, via the screen right now. Where is it? Jack. What you doing, kitty? You're okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I... What am I saying? Oh, yeah, Your she found these lyrics. And, she, and, yeah. and, and, and I mean, the... Like she knew, like she knew that something because it's a song that I, about like the worst thing. I need to be forgiven for the worst thing. I don't even remember the lyrics, but that's I'm you know oh, in my. Yeah. You wrote a repentance. Song oh my god! Yeah. yeah. So she's like, "What has my son done?" <laughs> so <clears throat> she asked me about it, and I just remember I had to like really finagle my way out of that one. But so that would have been. I don't know. I can't call that the first time I had sex, but I can call that a major life moment that changed my relationship mm. to sexual my, my to right. sexuality at mm. all because I, I don't think I even like you know I barely masturbated before that like I was even I, I was super uncomfortable about masturbating like mm-hmm. before that um and then um <clears throat> uh, and then it was years it was mm. it was I was it was my first a real boyfriend when I was 28 that mm. I ever ever started having any other sexual contact with. Um, and I guess, I guess I would call my experience with that person the first time I Mm. had sex, even though, again, we have these, these like weird definitions and and understandings of, of sex, uh, based on the culture that brings us up. Mine was, you know, like penetrative sex is sex. And then you have oral sex and you have like hand jobs and things right. like that. But, but it is sex in, in my mind. And so, so with that person, there, there was this level of, um, fear around penetrative sex. So we did mm-hmm. not, we didn't have, we were together three years. We did not have anal sex, hmm. um, because we were still in, under this mindset of like, well, let's mm. at least save that for when we get married. Yeah, like, that would have been like, the official, now we can never go back. Exactly, right? yeah. Mm. To have become one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, our, that's our version of it, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and so, so yeah, I, I didn't have anal sex until even years after that, which I think I was 31. No, that can't be right. I guess it would have been 32 or 33. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm in my early 30s before I ever experienced that type of sex. So it was, I mean, you know, I hear people talk about like how long they waited and stuff like that. And, and, and for the most, most part, it's like, 
Christians who are like, yeah, I waited till college or whatever. And I'm right. like, yeah. like, okay. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I was 30s, yeah. like early mm-hmm. 30s folks. Guys. And I, I was almost Steve Carell in the 40-year-old version. Right. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, I have this really, like, complicated understanding of what virginity is and why that whole concept mattered so much. Yeah. Like, why it was so, like, this holy grail thing that we had to you know, purity culture, all of it, the, the, mm-hmm. the uh, true love weights and the promise rings and, and all of that stuff that, that obliquely addressed sex as a Christian, right? Because mm-hmm. you never talked about anything super directly or super, mm-hmm. um, it just, it, it was always this kind of like true love weights, like, and that's yeah. all you, it, like, any sort of no, directness was just, yeah, just wait, just don't do it. Yeah, just right. don't do it. Yeah. There was no, there was no explanation of like, like, different sex acts and like mm-hmm. well, we're waiting for this one or we're waiting for that yes, one it's like right. you, you figure it out i guess right. yeah but, but like it truly it's waits. all bad you're a whore if you do anything yeah, but i mean i guess yeah right. but also exactly. don't be a prude like that message yes. is tricky the whore and madonna yeah exactly and that whole like i i dated and dealt with a lot of christian men who were very much like they wanted to maintain the appearance <clears> of <throat> kind of towing that line but mm. then also just wanted you to be real willing to like go of the line mm. behind closed doors and that kind of weird double mm-hmm. standard mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. of like, yeah, but no, we want this pure, chaste mm-hmm. wife. Yeah. But we want our girlfriend yep. to like mm-hmm. be willing to like let loose and let go yeah. and like poor little Enneagram three anxiety ridden me is just like, I don't know how to succeed yes. in this. And um Yeah, that th- that tension is insane. I can't imagine. Yes. Because I was I was on the the the, the boys' dorm side of that, so I was hearing the stories of the guys who would come back and be like, "Yeah, I got to you know whatever base or right. this mm-hmm. happened," and at the same time, they're the same guys who are going out and like right. chastising women for yeah, how dare you? Their, it's their like fears for being sexual. Angel in the streets, devil in the sheets thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like then nobody can live up to that. That's a weird, absolutely. It's such a strange fantasy human being. Yeah, who is that. Yeah, well, Preacher's then, daughter version, you mm-hmm. know. She's on like top of that, it's the, bad. I don't want you to have ever done this with anyone else. Right. But I don't want you to be bad at it either. Right. Exactly. Oh, God. Like, that was actually the, oh. the first time I ever gave a blowjob to anyone. It was my first real boyfriend. I was 19. He was 21. And I gave him a blowjob. And I, like, going into sexuality, I had done a bunch of research online. I read about, like, how to give a good blowjob. <laughs> Hear me. Yeah, because oh, yes. I was like, if I have all this knowledge, I'll be equipped and successful at sex. Yeah, and do so, and so I have no idea. Of course, I can't remember how good it actually was, but it was good enough that he was convinced mm. that it wasn't the first time that I'd done it, and mm. that I was lying to him. So mm. instead of giving someone a blowjob and it being amazing the first time I did it, I was then accused of lying about my sexual history, <sighs> and it became this just like, oh well. I'm sorry I gave you a good blowjob. Right. It was just this, I'll like, I oh. to do worse. Don't yeah. be better at being worse next time. Yeah. And I remember, actually, I was, it's funny to, I don't think I've said this part out loud before. I was working, I was working on campus um, over the summer, and I was working on a work crew. We, like, did demolitions and painting and all this stuff, mm-hmm. like, re- redoing the dorms. And I remember being with, like, a bunch of people and, like, talking about it and being, like, I'm so proud of this experience that I had and feeling really happy talking to these, like, guys and girls that I was doing work with. Right. But I didn't feel that comfortable talking with the person I'd actually done mm. the thing with because mm. I was so so proud of it and so excited mm. to talk. But like, 
I mean, I obviously should have seen that as a sign that there was some breakdown in the relationship, right. but actually, yeah. no, not with my, it's funny. I, I'm, we're all hard on ourselves and I have right. that thought of like, oh, I should have known. And I'm like, no, of course I wouldn't have fucking known. Right. There's right. no way I would have known right. with my history. Or, I mean, with the history we all had growing up yep. evangelical and sex is wrong and mm-hmm. all those things. Right. Yep. That tension <sighs> of that, it's, it'd be good and bad, but also the like, you should be good at this even though you've never yeah. done it. Like I still have things that give me huge anxiety that mm-hmm. I'm afraid of that I haven't done because of that Absolutely. exact tension where I'm just like, <gasps> I feel stunted in this particular yeah. arena. And like, I'm just so far behind that it's embarrassing, but mm-hmm. also like, even though I can mentally say, well, you know, that's a good reason for it being okay for you to need to learn. Yeah. There's that other pressure that's like, no, like you, you should be somehow magically mm-hmm. like already good at all of these things. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird, that's such a, I mean, all of it is just such an impossible expectation. Like, and I think that's largely what happens when you pathologize things. So when you say like, mm-hmm. this is forbidden and this mm-hmm. is that, it becomes this big mythical crazy expectation and standard to live up to all of a sudden where yeah. it's just like oh well it's this this thing that's been so well protected and so wrong that must be mm-hmm. massive and extraordinary mm-hmm. and like all oh, this crazy intense stuff instead of just you know, you know normal things that you practice and try yeah and can be funny and awkward and weird and like yeah. normal and i don't know normal but instead it's this yeah. big mythical creature that absolutely in the world. well there's also the huge difference between I mean, the male experience, female experience, but it, I mean, obviously I don't have a penis. I've never experienced like masturbating with a penis or you know what I'm saying? Masturbating <laughs> and then like having sex. Like yeah. I've masturbated a penis before. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I imagine, I mean, it's a similar, there is pressure. There's all those things. Right. Whereas the way that I masturbate and the many ways that I masturbate are very, <laughs> this cat's all rolling around like crazy. Um, <laughs> the ways in which I masturbate often don't, simulate what sex is like for me even if I am penetrating myself it's still very very different absolutely so that was something that for me I mean I started masturbating as a kid so Mm -hmm. I was so into my own I mean it was always filled with shame right and I'm very intentionally not using the word guilt because guilt is when we feel bad about things we should feel bad about right shame is when we feel bad about things we shouldn't feel bad about and I had tons of shame around my sexuality and so I thought on some level that that's what would change, you know, that it would suddenly be this good thing. Mm. So going from, okay, it doesn't feel emotionally better. (laughs) And this actually doesn't feel physically as good as it feels when I masturbate. Right. And then the person I had sex with for the first time, he saw masturbation as cheating. So Mm. I then was not masturbating once I had started having, or not, well, I should say when we, once we lived together, got married and lived together, then I stopped masturbating. Right. Um, I mean, I definitely masturbated when we were still just dating. Right. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I also was Whoops. living in the dorms and I had roommates. And so it was sort of like when roommates weren't home or that silent, like, oh, wait, no one hears me. Oh, it's the middle of the night. Maybe everyone's asleep. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Died. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, I mean, yeah, to, to, to think that shame learned this learned, um, accumulated, acquired shame that we mm-hmm. have, res- that, that has, I don't know, piled up on our backs over yes. the course of years and over the course of dozens, hundreds probably of experiences mm-hmm. with everyone from parents, the way they talk to us, to educators, to our pr- 
pastors and preachers mm-hmm. to think that all of that is just gonna like on wedding night just evaporate mm, and now we'll yeah. feel good yeah, yeah that's not how shame works yeah when you tell someone that something is dirty and wrong their whole life they mm-hmm. feel dirty and wrong when they try to do it you feel mm-hmm. like you're doing something bad and like especially for rule followers and image protectors i think mm-hmm. like that's absolutely massive like i still struggle oh. to do legal things that I for some reason <laughs> perceive as weird yeah. or wrong. Like mm-hmm. we've talked about like ordering a drink at a bar. Like I still mm. have a weird stutter. Yeah. Even though I've ordered mm. a drink at a bar a hundred times, yeah, like two hundred so times. I still yeah. have this weird thing that happens in my chest where I just am like mm. and I'm like, nope. Adult. It's fine, yeah. Karen. You are allowed. Over 21. You are 36 years old. <laughs> you are fucking allowed to order a gin and tonic uh-huh. at the bar. I um, get that with my second drink when they ask if I want right. another. And it's yeah. that like, ooh, yes. Should I? I do. I would like another. I do. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or like, I don't know. Or buying, like in that way, if I, if I buy a bottle of bourbon, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm like, I'm going like, to give you a brown paper bag to carry uh-huh. around it, you yeah. know? Like it's like, there's such a weird, but those echoes are so deep. Like they are in your bones. Mm-hmm. It's, you just internalize this shit so deeply. And like mm-hmm. it, it, every, I don't want to say everyone I know. I am sure that there are some evangelicals somewhere who got married and just had like a banging good time with mm-hmm. sex and like have had a delightful monogamous marriage relationship mm-hmm. sexually and are like super satisfied with all of that and how it's gone. I'm sure somewhere those people exist. Yeah. I'm not sure I've met them. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the vast majority of people that I know have struggled in one way or another to mm. overcome those shame stories, mm. to overcome these weird... I mean, even just, like, being naked in front of somebody is something yeah. that's, like, so taboo mm. and so wrong and so wrong. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to be just, like, super comfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. I have no shame. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm so comfortable in my body when it's like, don't let anyone see your body. Yeah. Well, even the, like, sex with the lights off mm, right? Yeah. thing. That, that That's when we all start out, like, sex with the lights <laughs> off. Right. Like, yeah. Under the guise of it's more romantic that way. Yes, exactly, exactly. Or like candlelight. Candles, yeah, where you're yeah. just like, I can barely see you. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I want to see right. all of this. Yeah. Right. I mean, I still yeah. kind of like dark, but it's because I kind of like the dark. So mm. that's, it's, it's a different thing now. Yeah. Hello, four. Okay, yeah. We've, we've changed all of the lights in our room to LED lights where we can change them to colors. Yeah, that's Ooh, fun. That so works. we usually have them all in red. Yeah. Um, we call it the bordello. Yeah. yeah I'm into I that. I would I say so. Great. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's a complicated world. Yeah. She sure is. She sure is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> she sure is. Ugh. So having sex for the first time, whether it's fully penetrative sex or other sexual acts, is just it's gonna be it's gonna be triggering for everyone because it's a it's a new thing. Right. It's like yeah. you know your first day of school. Like it's something that's new. There's it's different. We're adapting. Yeah. But if on top of that, you know, it's like if your first day of school, if you had a parent that was like, 
it, it's going to be scary. You're going to get and a disease. You're going to get a disease. <laughs> and, and people are going to see you differently. And you're like, I don't want to go to kindergarten anymore. Yeah, right? Right? You'd be terrified. I, yeah. yeah, we do it with sex. Where instead you're going to lose a part of your soul. Yes. When you go. Yeah, it, my God. Yeah. God will never Voldemort. see you. Yeah, like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> your horcrux is going to be split. Yes, every time you fuck someone, a bit of your soul is going into their horcrux. Which means <laughs> in order to kill somebody, you have to kill everyone they've ever screwed. <laughs> that's how this works. Like, that's how you destroy an evil villain is you find everyone they've ever oh slept with God. destroy all the parts Jesus. of their souls. Oh. I was literally taught that. I was taught that I gave a piece of myself that I could yep. never get back. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. any person that I slept with and I would never get that piece yeah. back. And I would just like to say for the record, that I have done some scientific studies and proven to myself at this point that that is bullshit. Ah. Uh, so, so what was the science? Yeah. My science. science is I have slept with a few people and I feel <laughs> as though none of them have my soul. Yay. So here we go. I feel yes. that my soul is actually intact and yeah. still mine. And I think if you interviewed them, they would all uh, They, they don't feel like they have a part of your soul. Like, yeah. You belong to yeah. you. Yeah. That, like, mm-hmm. I don't think they feel like they're carrying around yeah. a weird piece of me attached yeah. to them somehow. I feel like that was a proper use of the scientific method. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? That's great. So, yeah. I mean, Hypothesis, you gotta, execution, you gotta yeah, learn, You gotta learn these things mm-hmm. the hard way sometimes. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> it is. But, no, I mean, but it, it really, <clears throat> that, it just, some, the stories are mm-hmm. just interesting yeah. the way that mm-hmm. we have chosen to dance around this. Well, and jumping back to what you said about you don't think you've met that person who has that, like, you know, perfectly healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's because it's America, not even church. Right. I mean, all of our stuff obviously comes from church. Yeah. And I think so many people's stuff comes from church. But also, like, we're all Americans. And right. And yeah. most of the people we meet are Americans. And it's, it's our nation. Like, this is yeah. a, a nationwide epidemic and plague. Like, mm-hmm. when you said... Um, Karen about talking about just being naked in front of somebody like that is that's been one of the big gifts for me of of just past few years like traipsing down to Black's Beach for the first time and staying you know staying in my trunks like but like Mm -hmm. witnessing this like weird freedom that other people had and I say weird because it was foreign to me at the time right um, and, and getting curious yep. about it, you know, very curious. Yeah. And, and then, you know, to finally like become a participant in the culture there. Right. right. Like, and just yeah. strip down. It's like now it's funny. Cause sometimes you'll like meet somebody n- naked. naked. Yeah. Yeah. Which is and interesting. that's a fascinating experience mm-hmm. because yeah. you, you'll have a conversation, you'll talk to them and, and, and then like, I don't know, like at the end of the day, you see them put on their clothes and hike back up the hill. And it's like weird. It's like, right. weird. it becomes weird to see them with clothes on. I'm like, yeah. hey, I knew you in this like state of freedom and just unabashed. Yeah. Yep. Um, Eunice. It's Eunice. Yeah. I don't know. Like right. it's just, we get to know, we get to be and we get to know other people right. um, in this, in this state of, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's something about it. Yeah. It's, not, it's, not to be super cliche about it, but like. Our clothes and our trappings are all the masks that we wear. It's like when you meet someone when you're naked or close to naked, it's that space of just like, I see you, you see me, we're yeah. not hiding anything. I don't yeah. have it, like, it's the book without the cover. Right, exactly. I don't have my costume on, I don't have my, yes. whatever I've chosen to present to you. I yes, yeah. absolutely. As RuPaul says, we're born naked and the rest is drag, right? right. Like, <laughs> literally all of it. Like, this that. t-shirt is of my right. drag It's right a choice now. that yeah, you've made. It is, it's yeah. a choice I chose. Yeah. I saw it at Old Navy and I was like, that looks like me. That looks like me. I'm a Fine. Yeah. I, yeah. Met, I met someone a couple weeks ago um, and he said, no, not actually naked. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, fully clothed. Um, but he said that basically all of life is just performance art. 
Mm. Like we're all taught something. We're all projecting something. Mm. We're all creating something. Yeah. And it was funny at the time my husband said, he's like, so then what's performance art? And the guy just goes, <laughs> meta. <laughs> I love it so much. Right? It was perfect. I love it so much. And it was, it was actually even more perfect because he was turned away. And my husband asked and he just turned towards us and just said, meta. And then went back to the conversation. Yeah. I aspire to that's that level so of cool. Great. Right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. that's Jeff, what's... if you're listening, well done. <laughs> Good job. Cool. Snaps for Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- so this is what's so great, I think, about doing the work that we're doing in this podcast and just in life, like being a human, um, is I think what, what makes it wonderful is, that, is when we know. Mm. It's like just simply being aware of the fact that I'm, I'm doing performance art right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I don't know, the tone of my voice in this microphone is like is part of me. It's part of me yeah. like projecting the person I want to be. Yeah. But I know that I'm doing it and I right. know what I'm doing, right? right. Like mm. I know, and, and there's this like weird beauty about, um, cult, it's curating and cultivating. It's like mm-hmm. being a creative being. Right. Like I get right. to create something with my body, with my voice, with how mm-hmm. I, you know, how I interact with you two. Mm-hmm. It's all like real, it's magic. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. I love that like, that's the, the little mask for me that's right. been pulled off in recent years. It's like, it's okay that we do mm-hmm. that. To curate. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. okay to curate. Yep. Just like know what you're doing. Just right. know mm-hmm. about it. Right. And um, oh, there's something else I was going to say about that. But Yeah. I talk about that with social media a lot. Like mm. that, yeah. yes, you can. Like there are two ways to approach social media. And again, everyone has different boundaries and needs to set limits for themselves where they should and all of those things. So if social media is a thing that you can't engage with because you can't do it, like cool. 100% behind you do your thing. Um, but there are two ways to look at it. And there's the one where you you buy that this is what everybody's life looks like. And then there's the other where you go, no, this is the curated exhibit of everyone's life that they want me to see. So this is everyone's put together their art gallery. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm not walking into somebody's home. Yes. I'm walking mm-hmm. into their art gallery. Exactly. So this yeah. is like, this is what Bird has set up as her gallery yeah. for me to see. And it's not the whole story. No obviously it's not everything but this is like what and then there's a beauty in like i see something of you in the way that you've curated your gallery you know Mm. like there's something and you can Mm. kind of get into it that way and be like oh cool (laughs) and it took a lot of the responsibility and guilt away from because like girl of cardigan my online voice of girl of cardigan is very um Mm. i always say she has her shit together Mm. right Uh, like she has her shit together she is the part of me that like is the the mama wisdom part of me Mm. who like has it together and says Mm. these things like i am not her like mm-hmm. people will meet me only knowing my online persona and they'll meet me in real life and i like dog like little, little dog <laughs> <laughs> yes you do i will vouch for that yeah. what's the matter with you and i'm like no this is she's a part of me she's yeah. a very real yes. part of me yes. yes but she's just one part of like this whole mess of mm. layers so i don't know but then it's yeah. okay she can be that part of me yeah. yeah, that's fine. That's cool. Yeah. You know, it's interesting how sometimes just self-identification can help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, years ago, um, wanted to change my Facebook name to something that wasn't my real name, and Facebook wouldn't let me change it, mm. and kept not letting me change it, And which, I mean, it wasn't my real name, so it makes sense, <laughs> and it would, like, put it on, like, a two-week yep. restriction. I couldn't yep. do anything, and then, oh, wow. um, and so then finally one day, I was like, well, let me just put this and see what happens, and so I put birdsong song. And it accepted it immediately. Huh. And I was like, oh, shit. I, oh, I didn't even know if that's what I wanted. I, mm-hmm. I just did that without thinking. Right. But I had been trying to change my name. So I'm like, okay, I'll just go with this. Right. And so Birdsong became this sort of like 
almost alternate persona, which yep. I didn't quite see myself that way. It really was once I got married to my now husband, I ended up writing this whole thing. Um, I forget. It said something like the calling cards of Chrissy to something, something. Cause that's mm-hmm. Chrissy who's who I was when I was a little girl. Right. And just about how all the different names in my life re- reflected something different. Mm. And it was interesting because I was speaking about each character I've been and speaking the third person. Mm. Like she did this and she did yeah. that. And when I got to Birdsong, it was like mm. having this new name, you know, allowed her to just mm. expand and be who she wanted to be. Like no one had any expectations of who Birdsong was. Like she just got to show up and be mm. her unabashed self. Mm-hmm. And then when I was shifting into getting married again and changing my name and you know I made my maiden name a second middle name um but it was suddenly this reflection of like oh wow all these things that I allowed myself to be because I wasn't saying like oh I am this person who I've been my whole life I just get to be whoever the fuck I want to be right and then I was for the most part it was kind of amazing I mean it still is that was you know birdsong was a part of my journey and a really important part of my journey um and yeah I I always, like when I meet children, especially if they have a long name, I always ask them what they like to be called mm-hmm. because, I mean, again, another cliche, but it's like our name is the only thing that we truly, truly have. Yeah. Right. And so to be called something you don't want to be called can be painful. It can be damaging. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm cisgendered. And so in no way have I ever identified as needing, you know, wanting to be seen as a different gender or, or feeling that way inside. I'm probably saying this all wrong and apologies. Um, but the people who have family members who insist on calling them by mm. their birth name, yeah. I mean, that's just, ugh. Like, I'm just, I'm, so, yeah. I'm getting angry just, like, thinking right. about yeah. it and thinking right. about how some people are so, so fearful of their own status quo being questioned that they quite literally will not call someone a name that they want to be called. Mm-hmm. Like, that just, it's so simple and so basic and so heartless to, I don't know, reject that aspect it's, of humanity. Yeah. And Mm. if you should be granted autonomy in any part of your life, like it should be in getting to decide what you want to be called. Like it's such a simple, basic, Mm -hmm. yeah, I should be able to decide what I do with my body. Mm -hmm. I should be able to decide what I put on my body Mm -hmm. and I should be able to decide what I would like you to call me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just like these silly, simple, simple things. But things that we've never acknowledged as as a society Mm -mm. that that, Mm -hmm. like... The, these should be like the first in our, you know, uh, inal- what's the phrase? Inali- inalienable, inalienable rights, rights. right? Yeah. Like this should be the very first thing, and yeah. uh, and they're not. We just society has done such a mm-hmm. shitty job. Because I even think about like right now, I, I'm part of a, I go to a gym, a class, this like thing, and um, and I am still, I, I'm still being called Matt, mm-hmm. and I haven't, I fixed it, you know, like the first time, right. yeah. but you know, they meet a lot of people and it's fine. It's like, I get it. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't stepped up to like fix it yet mm, yeah. because of that mm. weird, that, that weird societal fear. Like I'm going to, I'm going to offend you. Yeah. I'm going to make you feel right. bad. Yeah. Exist to make you comfortable. Meanwhile, every single day that I go to that gym, it's, it's a little dig. And right. I know mm. it's like, it's not life threatening. It's not, right. it's, you can do the work. yeah. And there yeah. are far worse things in the world. I get that. Um, and especially when you're, we're talking about like people who are trans and stuff like that, who yeah, that is, a, that's, that's almost a violence against them. Right. Like yes. for me, it's not a violence, but it's still like, I can, re- I can relate to that because I know how much it stings just mm-hmm. being called Matt. Right. Um, mm-hmm. by people who don't know me well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Well, well, I think that easily I, falls into the 
when we do things because that's quote unquote how we've always done them. That is something that the people in, in power generally love, whether that comes to the patriarchy and misogyny mm. right. or the LGBTQIA it's community. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a it's a sense of control. And it's great for capitalism. Exactly. And when you push back against that, you often have the people who don't want things to change pushing back. Yeah. And we all have our own little individual things right. that we're we're trying to figure out and we're trying to exist in. And when you have a large swath of society that just pushes back because they don't understand. Or I guess that's the line that really bothers me. Like, I don't get why, blum, blum, blum. Because the next, the, what they're really saying is, I don't understand this and I refuse to do the work hmm. to understand it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to toss it out there yeah. like it's this universal thing that everyone should know. Whether yeah. it's like, I don't understand what the liberals don't get about illegal. Yeah. Like that was something I remember hearing growing up where it was just like, yeah, that's not that simple. Okay, I'm going into politics with that. Um, but just, yeah, the, the, yeah. Just because something has always been doesn't mean it always should be. Mm-hmm. And if your answer for why you're doing something is simply this is how we've always done it, there's a good chance that you were doing the wrong thing. Yeah, and also someone can have a different, uh, like a different definition of something mm-hmm. than you have. Mm-hmm. And that can be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it can be fine. Absolutely. Be fine. Absolutely. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. I have to agree. Yeah. yeah. Cosign, you know You just, it's yeah. fine. You can just, like, be like, oh, that's not how I see it. Yeah. And that is how you see it. And, like, it's okay for the way that you see it to not have to cross over onto yes. the other person, which I think yeah. is a concept that, again, like, we grow up evangelical. It's very, like, you must save the world. Yeah. Everyone's mortal soul. Yes. is your responsibility Ultimate and you have pressure. to fix this idea of like mm. you must evangelize your beliefs onto everyone and mm. you sort of lose this perspective of oh no someone can believe something different than what i believe mm. in and i can just not give a shit yeah like i can just <laughs> not care yeah <laughs> i could just be like oh no yeah. that's not what doesn't that wouldn't work for me but it works for you great yeah. you know and that can be fine but to bring this back around yeah <laughs> with naming mm. um because I have decided recently, and probably just in the last year, uh, that this idea of naming and of getting that the the privilege and the power to name things, like I get to decide what sex is, mm-hmm. and that because we you had all these arbitrary lines and definitions, like it's penetrative sex or it's this or it's mm-hmm. anything with the word sex in it was the mm-hmm. thing I grew up with, so mm-hmm. oral or mm-hmm. yeah. you know anal or. Uh, whatever, like that, anything with hand sex. Did they call it hand sex instead of hand no, jobs? No, which is why so hand, hand jobs are cool. Are cool. <laughs> right. Everybody, that was like where the line was. Don't have but, hand uh, sex, children. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but right. hand jobs only apply to penises. Right, it's true. So hand jobs would not apply well, to pleasure. No, there was no conversation about female pleasure. Like <laughs> no, that's no, not it. That was like, yeah. We, we would have been like, wait, saying. we can do what? You know? Yeah. Like, oh, can we? Oh, oh! Um, I'm allowed to touch my own anatomy. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, girls have orgasms. Yeah. What's that? That's about? not necessary for procreation. How's uh-huh. that? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but just this idea of naming, like, because I've had penetrative sex that didn't feel like it was completely my choice that mm. I didn't feel like I had agency over, that didn't feel intimate, mm. that didn't feel... And I guess this is where my definition of sex becomes kind of spiritual still mm. because I do, like, have that... I want that the physical intimacy but also the emotional intimacy and I want those two mm. things to kind of, like... For me personally, that's mm. kind of where that definition lies for me. But I've had, like penetrative intercourse mm-hmm. that I wouldn't look at and be like, something changed in me in that interaction mm. or... Um, 
there was a significance to it or anything mm. like that where I would just be like, no, that's something, that's something very different that would live over in this kind of category for me. Mm. Whereas I've had virtually the same action with mm. a different person or in a different context that has a mm. completely different structure for me and a completely different. And so, mm. and then I've also had, you know, non-penetrative experiences that were 10,000 times more intimate mm-hmm. than some of those. Absolutely. And so I'm like, you know, I feel like these definitions mm. at the end of the day are mine. Mm. It's, mm-hmm. it's up to me to name that. It's yeah. up to me to name. Mm-hmm. This is what intimacy feels like to me. This is what sex looks like for me. And that does look different because you know what? Not everybody who's having sex is having penetrative sex. Mm-hmm. Not mm. everybody who's having sex has a penis. Not everyone mm-hmm. who has a penis wants to have penetrative sex. Not mm-hmm. everyone. Like there's all these different yes. things. Absolutely. And like this limited definition of what sex is is harmful because then you get these people who are very much like in order to do this thing normally, I have to do it this way. And we get seriously fucked up about it. Mm. Um, And it's, it's bullshit. I think we get to name it whatever we like. Mm -hmm. I think whatever whatever that feels like for you is valid. I just so desperately want that to be sex education. Like, right? Karen, yes. can you? Like, <laughs> well, actually, if I mean, you should mention it, yes. We're gonna... <laughs> can we take, take that snippet and just send it to every public school in America? I don't know. Like... That's the goal. Talk to me in five years. We're going to see how that comes. Mm-hmm. Check in. Because um, that's empowerment. Like, then that's the piece that's missing from right. any discussion around teenage sexuality. I love, um, have you guys seen Jillian uh, Anderson's in it? It's on Netflix. Um Oh, um, oh, sex education. Sex education. Sex education. Yeah. yeah, I saw it. <laughs> well, there you go. No, yeah, it's yep, yep. like it's 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 weird for us to watch as a society to watch this show because it's this mother who's like super invested in, in you right. know, deeply yes. uh, cares about her her son's sex life, um, and and so that's like creepy and weird, right? But mm-hmm. but she's coming at it from this perspective of empowerment, like I mm-hmm. want I want you to know. Right. First of all, I want you to have the information so that you're making mm-hmm. informed decisions, yep. and then I want you to feel good about your body, you know, and 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 it's just, uh, yeah yeah that that should be what more, much more of what um, sex education looks like. Mm-hmm. Well, and the spectrum for normal. Mm. is so much broader than any of us Thank were taught. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. And I, I would Absolutely. even go so far as to say, unless you were raised in a very unique environment, it is likely that the spectrum of normal is broader than yeah. pretty much anyone was taught. Because mm-hmm. everyone is sort Absolutely. of taught what their parents know or what their peers know or whatever. Yeah. But you yeah. still grow up in your own little bubble. Yeah. The spectrum for normal is broad. Mm-hmm. Really broad. Yes. So it's just silly. And that's one of the things I think that you, Bird, have done beautifully uh for a lot of people frankly for a lot of our listeners for me is just your ability to just talk about things as though they are just normal like just Mm. the normalization of these conversations i think Mm. i think that's the heart of the work is like in order to change anything in order to fight the shame in order to do it you have to be able to talk about it if you can't talk about it you can't start anything. Like, you can't get anywhere if you can't talk about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And just being able to normalize it enough to talk about it is world-changing. Yeah. Like, that's healing stuff. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Huge. This is sort of, like, not the best comparison, but it's kind of like talking about bowel movements. <laughs> like, if you everybody have Everybody poops. Yeah, everybody poops. <laughs> <laughs> or the less popular, nobody poops but you. Right. Um, <laughs> from an episode of Family Guy. I was like, I oh, that. oh, yes, I didn't that joke last time. Um, you, you're alone. Yeah, but it's the, um, I mean, with poop, like, if you haven't had a bowel movement in five days, <laughs> like, 
there's a problem. You need to talk to the doctor yeah. like, or, or just whatever. Like there are right. things you need to work out. Like that's something with my patients. Like very first We have first a listener, session. by the way, who's like, something's just clicking for them right, right. now. And they're yeah, like, like, oh God. Shit. Yeah. Or not <laughs> oh shit. Or not shit. Yeah. Or not shit. Yeah. Um, Go talk to someone. Right. Go talk to someone. Um, Drink more water. Yeah. But with my patients, I mean, their very first session, you know, within 45 minutes of meeting me, I am asking them intimate details about their, their bowel movements. Right. Mm. And every once in a while, someone kind of gets like, Huh. And it's usually a male who's around my age mm. or younger <laughs> who will get this like, uh, and I've even had men say like, this is really uncomfortable to talk to you about <laughs> where I'm just like, and I'll even respond with, it's totally fine. I mean, it's, it's poo. It's stuff coming out of our butts. It's right. an uncomfortable thing, but everyone does it. And I talk to all of my patients about it. Mm-hmm. I get intimate details about right. everyone. And, and it, it just is like, to me, I understand that this is uncomfortable for you because you yeah. don't often talk to people about your poop, right. but I talk to everyone and it's totally fine. Right. So it's that same comparison, which, and that's why I say, I don't like necessarily comparing sex to like taking a shit. Cause like, let's, let's put those in different categories. Right. Um, but it still unless is, you're into that. unless you're into that. Yeah. In if that's case. your thing, like go for it. Right. Like find a partner who's also into that. Like be empowered to express mutual yourself pleasure, your own consent. Yes. Yeah. Mutual pleasure and consent. <laughs> Do the things. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that now. Safety. Safety. SCI yeah. protection. Yes. What are the other I don't two? remember all the ethics. Um, um, I, I should, we, we said we were going to put that on a, like a mug or something. Yeah. We didn't. We should. Yeah. But at the end of the day, sex is something that our bodies naturally participate in. Yes. It happens in nature everywhere. I, I went to the zoo this morning and like, it's springtime. And it's like, yeah. you, you <laughs> see animals like doing stuff. and yeah. ski around there. Yeah, really. exactly. Yeah. Um, but because people before us have put a pressure or a connotation or an expectation or a judgment on it, we continue to propagate this cycle that says there is something uncomfortable about this. There is something wrong about this. I mean, I, the last time I was your guest, I talked about, you know, when my mom first told me about sex and, and, and what sex was. And she literally, the first thing she did was close the door and say, don't tell your dad I'm telling you this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And again, like, mom, if you're listening, I love you. You've been amazing. But that was something that from the beginning, from my first understanding of what, you know, two people coming together and having sexual relations was, there was something I shouldn't know about it. My father certainly shouldn't know that I know there was something wrong. Mm. Um, And at that time, I mean, I was already masturbating and, um, you know, had been taught that masturbating was wrong and that I shouldn't do it. So it was already getting punished for masturbation. And then that got, that that was my mom kind of explaining sex was like, oh, you know how like touching yourself feels good. Like sex also feels good. So even with that, I had the connotation of, oh, this thing that I really like doing that I'm not supposed to be doing is, is okay. Okay. So there was just from the beginning, this Mm. idea of wrongness. Um, I never had, never had sex ed. Um, I'm completely (laughs) self-taught. Um, but I know for a lot of, congratulations. Yes. Oh yes. (laughs) Um, but I have heard that in a lot of um, middle schools, they'll separate the boys and the girls. Mm-hmm. You have your separate things Absolutely. and kind of boys learn about, you know, what's going to happen with their penises and mm-hmm. you know what happens with sex and girls learn about menstruation and all of those things, which quick side note on that then becomes this thing that menstruation is something that women should know about. But and men, men should shouldn't. Not. Right. Oh. And if you, I have had times where I've been talking about something in public and just a casual, <laughs> I'm not saying like my blood was everywhere, but just even saying something like, Oh yeah, like a diva cup, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And had I mean, multiple times in my life, a male 
young and old be like, well, that's oh, not appropriate. That's gross. Don't talk yeah. about that here. Which I'm just going to jump in here to say, ah. by the way, if you're a dude and you're not into that conversation, like this is one area where I become hardcore Enneagram 8 because I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck no. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Have you seen how skewed the biological burden is on our two mm-hmm. different genders here? Like mm-hmm. for the record, like we're yeah. bearing the burden of this process. Mm-hmm. You're going to be okay with here about it like this is pretty much yeah no I'm gonna talk about it I'm sorry (laughs) yeah hi guess what this is what's happening for me and it sucks and I actually have to deal with it absolutely so like this is my real life right yeah you can like know that I'm bleeding yeah and you can know that like it makes me tired and like this that Mm -hmm. and the other thing and like you can just live with having to just know that information also also, that's it not even just living with having to know like that information can be helpful to you yeah Yeah. right it could (laughs) benefit you god Uh forbid you could be helpful to me also like you could go oh god how sorry novel are you hemorrhaging and do you feel like a giant magnet is sucking you toward the core Mm. of the Uh earth today I will take care of you. Oh, if your intern, do you have an nice. internal organ that's literally <laughs> shedding the inside of itself, <laughs> and it's squeezing out through this tiny little hole and then shooting out of your genitals? <laughs> Maybe not shooting out, but like, let me <laughs> buy definitely. you a yeah. bottle of water and a candy bar, uh-huh. girlfriend. Thanks uh-huh. for keeping the yeah population going yes almost, it's almost like relationships are aided by good communication it's the weirdest almost. thing it is almost as though <laughs> like when people can just talk about things they suddenly become less of a big deal yeah, yeah. absolutely and also period sex is helpful for mm-hmm. the record like mm-hmm. that helps with cramps that helps with lots of things oh really oh yeah, yeah. orgasms are great for cramps and oh, great gosh. for the whole thing and like hormonally because you get all fucked up in your head and like yeah. weird things i have a thing that happens to me like three days before I start my period every month where I I get like a body dysmorphia thing Mm. where I will wake up in the morning and I'll look in the mirror and nothing will change about my body but I just hate it all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I'm just like everything looks awful and Mm -hmm. and, and it's to the point now it's regular enough that I know that that's just like a weird Mm -hmm. hormonal fuckery thing that's happening and I'll be like oh Right on schedule. And here we are. But it, it's it's like clockwork, even though I know it's going to happen. It still does. I'll look at my body and see a completely different body. And it's just, it's wow. so these weird things happen. Mm-hmm. So like intimacy and sex yeah. and all those things help with that. They help with the Absolutely. emotional thing. They help with the physical thing. They help. Yeah. So. Well, even that aspect of the communication, that... I mean, for you, you figured out, okay, I get body dysmorphic right before my cycle. You know, whether it's hormones or whatever it is, that's something that comes up for you. Right. I think a lot of women maybe have that that same experience, whether it's actual body dysmorphia or the emotions. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we live in this culture that tells women that we're crazy, then it's just like, oh, none of my feelings are valid. None of my right. feelings make sense. There's right. something broken about me. I'm wrong. Instead of I'm going through a hormonal shift that is skewing the way that I view my body and the way that I view myself and the way that I feel in my body yeah. and feel about myself. And that is the thing that happens. Right. Having that awareness, being being armed with that knowledge gives us an opportunity not to spiral into the I'm a broken piece of shit. God, yeah. I wish I wasn't such a broken piece of shit. Yeah. Normalizes it. Mm. Just is normal. Mm-hmm. And it's normal. It's All normal. These things are normal. It's it normal. normal. <laughs> yeah, normal. And don't I mean we could we need to do a period episode, I feel like is what needs to happen. Because oh, totally. like, we should talk about cups too and how women have this whole thing about like I can't interact with my own body and fluids and all that yeah. stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I may have said this. I I'm probably gonna have several things that I repeat from last time, but it's fine. I'm one thing get for a me glass of water too, keep talking. Um, oh yeah. So 
I have been using a Diva cup since, a menstrual cup, um, since 2008. And it was just last year, 2018, after using it for 10 years, that for the first time, I actually took the cup full of blood and just poured it on my hand in the shower. Hmm. That I literally would always take it, and it was like, you know, throwing away dirty toilet yeah, paper. It was this it. thing that I just had to get away. And I actually did this after one time I was, um, my husband was in the bathroom with me, and I was going to empty out my Diva cup in the sink before bed and was going to put it back in. And I kind of get, I was kind of like, oh, like I'm, I'm going to be pouring my blood down the sink. Sorry. Uh, I like doing this when you're not here. And he was like, you can, it's fine. He's like, right. you have to take care of that. He's mm -hmm. like, you know, giving me a quick heads up is great. So just, I don't look over and see a sink full <laughs> of go, blood. Ah! Like, yeah. yeah. Cause it'll just think that you, you know, right, yeah. something's hurting. Do you have you know, a nosebleed or something? Exactly. Yeah. So I just say like, <laughs> pour in my diva cup. And I, if I'm being honest, I still kind of like hold my hand up to kind of like, <laughs> if I'm pouring it down the sink. Mm -hmm. But it was after that, that I was, I, I hadn't quite realized even in my own awareness, my own self-awareness, that I was being so shameful about it. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Because right. I literally yeah, would wait until totally. he wasn't in the bathroom to empty it and just didn't even think twice about mm. the shame that I was putting on myself, that right. I was, like, sh ashamed of my shedding your oh, lining. Or, like, just how mortifying, especially in, like, middle school mm -hmm. and high school. Like, God forbid something leaked or, like, there oh, was any God. evidence anywhere that you were actually bleeding. Like yeah. nothing more embarrassing. Yeah. Nothing more. Yes. Everybody has like a horrific story about yeah. this one time where it suddenly became evident that I was on my period. Like mm -hmm. something happened and other people knew that this yeah. thing was happening. And it's like. Well, there's even the shame yeah. of like yeah. the potential. Like, so I had an experience where I had a panty liner in cause I was maybe supposed to start my period that day. And right. it was, you know, before I became a little bit more eco-friendly with my, <laughs> how I use those disposable products. Um, and I had a boyfriend and he kind of like reached down, like we were making out and he reached down and put his you know hand on my pussy area mm -hmm. and felt that there was the panty liner in. Right. And he kind of pulled his hand back and he was like, oh, are you on your period? And I was like, no. Well, I mean, I'm like supposed to be starting. He's like, well, why didn't you tell me? But we literally, like his hand was on the outside of my clothing right. and he mm. felt that there was a tiny little panty liner mm. and he was so offended that he actually like barked at me for not having told him. And I even said like, well, when, when was I supposed to tell you? Like yeah. I, I instantly was feeding into that, that I was like, oh no, you're totally right. Like I, sh I should have right. told you. And I mean, that was always my cycle was, even if someone said something insane to me, mm -hmm. my I was so insecure and I had such low confidence that like even something as insane as that, I was like, oh no, you're right. Yeah. I should have told you. Right. That was wrong of mm. me not to do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm like feeling that right like now. We're all cultured to think that that is correct. That yeah. the, the, like the, the power that men have in the relationship is just insane. It's truly genuinely insane because I think about even my own experience. <clears throat> I don't even want to be in a, in a relationship with a, a woman, right. right? Yeah. But I was at, at times in my life. Um, and I, I remember... Um, talking to my girlfriend in college about her, her past experience with a boyfriend and, mm -hmm. and how it, it, uh, you, you said something earlier, Karen, about uh, having sex that didn't feel, I can't remember how you phrase it, but it sounded exactly yeah. the way she, agency, about not, yeah, agency right, yeah. and maybe not fully consensual right. and that kind of yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And she, she you know, was sharing to. like, yeah. yeah, like, like an experience about that with her ex who, you know, on campus was a good guy, quote, sure. air quotes. Like, right. he, you know, I shouldn't say too much about this person, I guess, but, um, you know, it was like this very respected, like, person in, especially in, at my Christian college, like, right. he yeah. played some roles in that whole spiritual world. And, um, and so, you know, that was like pretty 
shocking to me to hear at that time in my life. Oh my gosh, this is going mm-hmm. on in our, our yeah. flash camps. And then, but then I think about her experience with me. Like so, so she's sharing her experience with him and and in kind of juxtaposing it to her experience with me, um, and saying how how safe and good she felt with me. Mm. And, and and it's wild because as I reflect back on it, the only reason she felt that way with me was because again, I had the power in our relationship to draw whatever boundaries I needed mm. to make. So for me, it was right. like, we're not even kissing until, right. yeah. until marriage. Right. Because that's, yeah. and, and it was, <laughs> was very, comfort zone. It was very right. con- yeah, it was very convenient right. for me in my uh-huh. religious, oh, nice for you. with my religious upbringing <laughs> that I could, that I could claim some sort of, um, you know, spiritual. You uh, kids you know. dating by recording. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, I like it's I'm easier a, for you to deny your queerness. Yeah. 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 I'm a good guy for doing that. Yeah. But really it's all about like me and my, my own, you know, Sure. Issues and, yeah. and, and discomfort with who I am, yeah. um, but but regardless, in both situations that she mm-hmm. was in, the guy had the power to like determine what how far she was going to go or yeah um, or, or not or not right. And it's just like we're not even aware as men, like we're we're not even aware to. I mean, this is what this whole reckoning is about right, right. now, right? Like yeah. it's men mm-hmm. come to terms, like just become moderately more aware of the power that you hold in these relationships and, yeah. and not even relationships, interactions with in human general. beings that you may not even yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, like, I want to assign heathen homework. Can I assign heathen homework? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think if you are someone who identifies as male and you were taken out of your sex ed class or whatever, and the girls learned about periods and you didn't learn about periods, like there's a thing called the internet, <laughs> whether you partner with women or don't like if you don't, actually totally know how this whole period thing works like if you have mm-hmm. some way like if you don't know what a diva cup is for mm-hmm. example if that's a, a term you've never heard or like you're yeah. not totally sure like how long is a period and all that kind of stuff yeah. and what actually happens what does it feel like google it and do mm-hmm. a little bit of reading and like figure that because you are here because some woman bled every month like bottom line yeah. that's how that's how this whole procreating thing works in our species and like the amount of thought and effort that goes into managing having a period every month the amount of vacations around the whole thing like it's just this constant (sighs) thing and like you should know how it works you should know you should know that that's a thing you can find out so spend half an hour and read about it and then like know Mm -hmm. a thing or two absolutely (laughs) and that will change the world oh my god so much an easy thing so much well i I relatively recently i was having a conversation with a woman who i think they were going on vacation and she ended up on her period on vacation and her boyfriend who late 20s early 30s like old enough right was upset that she didn't she didn't predict that that's when her period was going to start. And she was like, well, I mean, I have an idea, but I don't know the day. Right. And he genuinely thought it was a, you have it for this amount of time and you could predict like a year from now when right. your period's going to land. Right. And like, I've been doing a period tracker God, for maybe six years now. Yeah. So I have a, it predicts really, really accurately. Right. Like I can look ahead, you know, like right now I could probably schedule my vacation for September, you know, it's April now. Right. Um, and, and be good with, with where that's going to land. Yeah. But that's something, I mean, even looking at uh, one of the aspects of, um, I guess, just, just healthcare and, and what sort of things get covered and, you know, I'll, I'll, we go to the debate of healthcare. Um, but one of the things that could be seen as a pre-existing condition was irregular periods. Mm-hmm. And Michelle Wolf had this great bit about it, and I'm going to try to replicate it. 
But one of the things she said was just like, that's periods. <laughs> Every woman <laughs> has irregular periods. Right. Wow. Like, Everyone has been surprised at least once. Like, yeah. That's... Like, I have never met a single woman in my life who has said, yeah, I start on the 28th day every single month. Right. They'll say I'm pretty much always 28 days, but... And one month it's 27. Okay, dude, one... so that's the thing. Like, do you know that a cycle is generally 28 days? Like, this is the yeah. kind of thing where, like, there's little stuff that, like, we yeah. all have been counting and tracking and all that stuff. Like, it's just such a... Ugh, all damn day. Yeah. This is, thing. this is our homework, heathens, okay? I love it. <laughs> my, I love it. Included, I will, I will, I will participate. So and yeah, it's fun. And then like, it's nice. And again, once it's normal and you know, it's not a big deal anymore. And like, yeah. think about how lovely it is. Like, cause I, you know, there's the, there's the, 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 the stereotypical thing about like men buying tampons, right? Mm-hmm. How it's this whole thing. But at this, in, in Which a way. Which is the dumbest thing in the world because <laughs> obviously they're not for you. <laughs> like, oh my God. How could you possibly be self-conscious about it? They don't say anything about you. They say literally nothing about you. Except that that you're being maybe nice in some way. I think think in some ways the dudes buying... I think in some ways also though the dudes buying uh, tampons thing is the same as like me buying condoms or me going to a bar and ordering a drink. Mm. Like it's that same anxiety of just like I'm unfamiliar with this Mm. and I don't feel equipped and I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. So like dudes, figure out what the difference is between like regular plus and super plus which you can do just go on the internet look at it read it and then like feel fucking empowered to go in and buy tampons for your whoever your roommate your sister whoever needs them I mean don't get me started on why you shouldn't buy tampons because they are the patriarchy as well but Uh um, but you know like you can you can demystify these things in 10 minutes and then it's like oh look I know yeah I know about this and absolutely what a lovely it is lovely when you encounter a man who is not squeamish about periods at all. Mm-hmm. It is just, it is a lovely thing. Yeah, which is kind of, I mean, it's, it really is honestly sad that that is the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. That it should be the exception that if a man gets squeamish, that you're just like, okay, you're the one guy that I've ever experienced being squeamish with this. Let's, mm. you know, right. but it, instead of educating everyone. Right. This, this reminds me of... Um, uh, after the Parkland shooting last year, they made all the kids wear clear backpacks. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. a lot of people talked about privacy issues and especially girls. Right. And there was this one boy who filled his backpack with tampons. Hmm. And he was just like, all right, like I got tampons for everyone. Yep. And it was really cool because I heard kind of an a interview after the fact with him. And he was saying he had no idea that there were different types of tampons. And because he had this backpack full of tampons, girls like started educating him and started saying right. like, oh, so some of us need super and some, you know, and right. explaining how different flows. And he was like, I, you know, the 17 year old boy was like, I literally did not know. Like it, he was doing this wonderful altruistic thing, mm, you know, putting right. his own social whatever on the line. Right. But then because of that, because of his own social and emotional vulnerability, he learned something that changed him where he was mm. just like, I didn't even know there was more to periods than I knew. Right. <laughs> and it gave him this learning opportunity because he was like, you know what? Y'all are getting fucked over. I'm going to show up for you. Oh, hey, I can actually show up better. Yeah. Thank you for teaching me how to show up better. You're just, you just, like, that's a superpower. Right? Knowing things is a superpower. It's so, yeah, right? Exactly. Okay, speaking of knowing things, heathens, here is some information to know. This podcast is a labor of love from Karen and me and our incredible community of people 
who have a thing or two to say about all of the spiritual, sexual, embodied, musical, mindful, emotive things that we talk about on Heathen. It's a labor of love, but that doesn't mean that you can't chip in to support that labor. Karen and I are on Patreon, which, if you don't know, is a game-changing website that puts the power to support creative work in the hands of the creators and the people who enjoy the content that we make. If the conversations on Heathen have made you feel less alone and more alive, and if you have the capacity to support us with a monthly donation of $3, $7, or any number of dollars, we would love to welcome you to our growing Patreon family. In fact, I'm currently putting together some exciting bonus content that will only be available to patrons. So jump in the water, swim around with us. Community is what makes this thing work, and we need you to make more of it. Thanks, and back to the sexisode. So, female pleasure. Yes. A thing that we're often undereducated on in general in the world, um, especially in sex ed and things like that. Yeah. And um, I feel genders are uneducated on pleasing the the labia and the vagina and the clitoris and the whole. I'm still learning the proper way to be inclusive with my terminology. And so I keep wanting to say female anatomy, but that's not exactly accurate. But the the pleasing of the people who have Mm. labia. Yeah. Pleasing of the pussy. The pleasing of the pussy. There we yeah. go. The pleasing of the pussy. It's an alliteration. We're big into those yes. around here. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Pleasure for pussies, ladies and gentlemen. So, oh god. So, um, hey, so bird. Yeah. Have you been doing anything interesting around this particular subject lately? <laughs> I haven't. Well, and it just tell us. About. Uh, it's taken me on a delightful journey that I am still. I'm still on this journey. Mm-hmm. So, a week ago, <laughs> just now, just now, so fresh. Yes, so fresh. Um, I flew up to San Francisco and I did an interview um, with the team for the website OMGYes.com. Mm-hmm. Um, so OMG, like oh my god, mm. OMGYes.com. It is a, de- a website completely dedicated to education on female sexual pleasure. Um, they have it broken up into. Um, they call them seasons where the first season was kind of like all the videos that came out at once. Mm. Um, That came out several years ago. And it's all about um, uh, manual stimulation of how women masturbate just with their hands. Um, Season two, which just came out, is all about penetration. And they're kind of adding videos to it. Um, And then season three, which I was a part of, which I am a part of, uh, is all about the use of toys. So Mm. one of the things that we talked about in my interviews was aspects of penetration and so there some of my videos are actually going to be included in season two mm-hmm. um there so i think the reason they use seasons is because you you buy you kind of buy the package it's like 25 dollars, and you get access to all of season one and then i think i think it's 25 dollars um all of season two and um so there was an application that i had to submit and then there was initial interview and then after the initial interview i had to fill out a survey and there were, so it's basically like, which of these 19 topics do you have more to say on? Right. And I, I selected 16 of the 19 topics. <laughs> um, what were the three things that you didn't have a lot to say on? God, you know, it's so funny. Um, I actually could probably look that up because I, I can't read on my we computer. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, we can totally. Um, uh, and it said like in the, the uh, email, like this will take you about an hour, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So then I go into the first one and each one has six questions. It's like, do you, like, do you remember the first time you experienced this? Like set this, 
set the scene if you can. Right. And there was, you know, did you, was there something that you learned more? Blah, blah, blah. It was this whole series. And so each of my 16 things I had to fill out all these six <laughs> questions. So it took me about 10 hours. Wow. But I, I realized I didn't want to, and they even said like you can shorthand things. I didn't want to shorthand anything and not fully express what I had to say and then not them not pick me and we'd be like, oh man, if I just, if I'd spent this time. Right. Yeah. So, um, so it turns out like I did way more than I even needed to do. I mean, it was, it was perfect because then as we were doing the interview, you know, we had all of this information that I'd already You had put already out. done the work. Right. Yes. Right. And so moments that I like had anxiety or that was a little bit like, uh, I can't remember. He's like, well, you said this. I'm like, oh yeah, that is right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I, after the, that, that survey, I had a second interview. So normally they would have someone fly up for a day. Mm. They would do a day of filming. They would do interview questions um, and then have a demonstration portion. Right. With everything that I answered, they wanted me for two full days. Mm. Um, so they'd never done two days with anyone. And even at the end of the second day, they were like, we literally had to cut things out. Right. Because they were like, we don't have enough time. I'm like, I can always fly back up. Like, there's, there's stuff we can still talk <laughs> yeah, about. be fine. Yes. So... I mean, it, we've had oh. you on our podcast before, so I know what that is like, <laughs> getting <laughs> so much great information yes. that we're like, oh, we got to use it all. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So the discussing sexual things, as we've talked about, um, it's something that's very comfortable for me now. Mm-hmm. It's something I've done a lot of work around. And now if someone wants to talk to me about sex and it's, I mean, I'm not just saying like, if you want to be a fucking creeper and talk to me, like, no, if someone mm-hmm. wants to be educated, if they want to learn, mm-hmm. if we're right. going to talk about, or if they're seeking advice or camaraderie, right. intimacy, whatever, yes, let's fucking go there. If everyone in the world was having good consensual sex, like the world would be a fucking amazing oh, place. It, it so just, different. oh, it like gives me the chills just thinking about Much like, nicer. Oh, if everyone was just getting off the way that they should be getting off. But mm-hmm. anyways, so <laughs> talking about sex, totally comfortable for me. The part that I was like, okay, this, this is, this is good. This is going to be good. This is going to be challenging. This is going to be good. <sighs> okay. 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 Um, I had to demonstrate on my own body. Mm. Um, so at no point was I completely naked. Um, my, actually, no, that's not entirely accurate, but for the most part, um, n- none of the rest of my nakedness was ever shown besides right. just my actual external genitalia. Right. Um, so it was often just kind of having my dress up and, and, but I'm literally legs splayed, Six cameras pointing at me, mm. talking to eight strangers, right. having this experience. Yeah, I had this one moment where I, they've set me up. So my knees are out. My, my vagina is actually exposed to the outside world. Mm. And we're all set up and I'm talking to one of the male producers and he's straight across from me. And, and by the way, they just created such an incredibly safe, safe setting for me. Mm. Not once did I feel uncomfortable. Not once did I feel objectified. Not once did I see someone's eyes in my peripheral version, vision like wander and right. check out my body. Like right. I just felt, even times that I was literally walking around naked, was just like, yeah, no, I'm totally good with this. But right. this particular scene, legs splayed, looking at this male producer, and he's talking to me. And I had this moment where I was like, do I, do I close my legs? <laughs> and I realized, no, we are literally setting up a scene. They have literally, yeah. they've moved the blanket. Everything is set up. To, for me to close my legs would be to upset the scene that we have set up that we are about to film. Right. So the only reason I would close my legs is if there is something shameful and wrong about me having my vagina exposed, my labia exposed, all of this out, even though we're literally about to film this. Like, this is, this is going right. to remain, like, forever. <laughs> this is going to exist in perpetuity, not just right. this moment. Right. And... 
And because they had created such a safe space, it was not hard for me to stay in that open position. I, I got to just sit there like, okay, this is mm. comfortable maybe isn't the right word. Right. But this doesn't right. feel as wrong yeah. as the little evangelical child that lives inside me wants to tell me it is. Right. Like there were, there were the multiple voices in my head where like, you know, l- little birdie, she was just like, um, I don't think we're supposed to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Where adult me was like, no, this is okay. This is okay. It's okay. Yeah. I had two lines that I, I kept telling myself before this weekend. Um, I, I want to do more work in the realm of sexual healing. Um, mm. I would like to eventually go back to school, get my, um, you know, master's in marriage and family therapy because I want to make sure I have all of the information I need if I'm going to be embarking on this journey. Right. And so this was sort of this like, well, if I'm going to fucking do this, like I should fucking do this. Mm-hmm. And so the one line I, I told myself was, um, if not now, when, like if I, if I want to work in this world, right. Like now is the fucking time to do it. Now, right. now is the time to figure out if this is actually what I can do. Right. If I want to do this. Right. And then, the second part to that, and this was the part that really was even more encouraging than the first, was if not me, who? Ooh, yeah. Like, I am literally the archetype of the person like who grew up sexually repressed, who overcame significant sexual dysfunction, mm-hmm. who had my own issues. And I, 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 I can't think of a better word than issues, because even that feels like weighted. Yeah. But that's how I saw myself. I saw myself as having issues, you know, um, yeah, so then, then to have gotten to the point where I have been empowered in my own sexuality, you know, in my own individual experiences, having partners who have empowered me, and I have gotten over that hump where I'm on the other side, where I know how to please myself, I know what my body wants, I know all of these things, you know, I, I still have I still have some shit, I still notice on days that I have anxiety, it's really hard for me to shift out of that anxiety mm-hmm. into a place where I'm, I'm open sexually. Mm-hmm. There are times where I can be horny as fuck, but the idea of being penetrated just feels overwhelming. Mm. And then my anxiety makes it so that I can have a challenge and even it, talking about that. You know, it's like, I, I'm still working on that. I still right. have, like every human being, we're still processing and growing, but I am this person equipped with all of this knowledge. Like, what the fuck am I doing keeping this to myself? And there were several things that I discussed in this that none of the people working for the website had ever even heard of before. Mm. So like one thing as simple as, um, like, so a Hitachi magic wand is, uh, you know, in the category of, you know, self massagers. You know, uh-huh. very few people I think even use it for that. Right. But there are two settings. It's like high and low, but it's basically like high and really high. Yeah. And <laughs> so I, I want to say it was my husband that discovered this, but I can't exactly remember. Um, but using a $13 Amazon lamp dimmer mm-hmm. and it goes oh, from yeah. having these two high settings to suddenly having this range of settings. That was something like none of them had ever heard of that before. They were like, this is going to, this, this blew all of our minds. This is going to blow everyone else's mind. Yeah. Oh my God. And then even um, the way that I most often masturbate, all of them were like, I've literally never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Like, so I call it grinding where I'm face down on my own hand, kind of my hands almost staying in place and I'm physically moving on it. Yeah. And then I hit a point where once... I like I'm I'm so proud of the, this next line that's about to come out of my mouth. <laughs> Once I hit like five or six orgasms, I get too wet that I can't just do it with my own hand, and that's when I'll jump up to a vibrator. I the fact that I get to say that, like, girl. oh god, yeah, yes. I mean, when 
even with my husband now, he's been my most amazing sexual partner. And our first night together, I had four orgasms and that blew my mind. I'd never had that many. Right. And I mean, practice makes perfect. Mm. So I have gotten better at orgasming because I've practiced orgasming. Right. And that has been with a partner, that has been with myself, that has been with my hand, that has been with my shower attachment, that has been right. with my toys. So many different things, you know, like my husband's leg, if I feel like grinding up on him, like just whatever, whatever I'm feeling in the moment. A puppy. A puppy. Yes. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, don't um, mind me. I'm just going to help yes. you. Like, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm into this. Um, so this entire experience was, it was beautiful. It was amazing. It was challenging. Each day was about 15 hours. Oof. And it would start with hair and makeup, and then we would have breakfast, and then we would do interview, and then we would have lunch, and then it was demonstration, and then we would finish with a dinner and a beer, and that was just like, oh, <laughs> catharsis. And then, yeah. Yes. Um, and then I would go back to my hotel room and take a hot shower and maybe cry a little bit because it was just this so like, much. Huh. and it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't sadness. It was yeah. just, I, that was so much. I remember getting in the shower the first night and just standing there, and I almost had the thought of like, I, I don't know how to shower. I don't know what to do right now. And right. there was this other little voice in my brain that was like, then maybe just stand here for a minute and mm. see what you want to do in a minute. And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's okay. do that. Yeah. And I just stood in the shower with just the hot water on me. And after a couple of minutes, I was like, okay, like well, maybe mm. I'll, oh, soap's a good idea. Let's do soap next. Right. And I fi- found myself on social media, pr- particularly drawing myself to things that would give me the space to cry. Mm. Because it, they were just, it was so much. Yeah. And yes, I mean, I was talking about specific self-pleasuring techniques, which are amazing, but everything was starting with my own story. You know, right. the first time I had sex and, you know, abuse that I had experienced throughout my life mm-hmm. and all of these things that were like, these things happened. They affected who I became when I grew up, affected mm-hmm. who I was as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, who I am now, everything in there. And so, I mean, that that's the reality of, where we are now, we're a product of our lifetime. We are a product of our lifetime of experiences, and that's fine with everything. Yet when it comes to sex, there's still this expectation that we should know everything. And right. if you don't know everything, there's something wrong with you. And if you're gonna do research on your, you know, by yourself, well then, like that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I, I was talking with someone recently. Maybe even us just having our random right. conversations, <laughs> talking about like literally anything else in life. If you want to learn more. Like if you're into fishing, like, and you go fishing and you, you, you learn about the things and you research and you buy books, people are like, oh, cool, you're into fishing. Right. But if you're into sex and you want to learn more and you're reading sex books or reading articles or having discussions about sex, it could be, it, people can get very upset about right. it. Now you're weird. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I realize there's a big generational difference and I'm, my brain is just running through experiences I've had in the last couple of years of talking with a bunch of old ladies and someone sparking a conversation and me thinking like, this is a totally fine topic since she brought it up and then realizing, oh, now a bunch of old ladies are really uncomfortable that I made a dick pic joke and, uh, (laughs) but I, but I wasn't the one who brought up the dick pic and it was this, yes, I've had those experiences of that cross-generational frustration and I get, we live in this puritanical society that vilifies sexuality and blah, blah. Anyways, I'm going down a fucking tangent, but well, so yeah, yeah, but still, um, so so, OMG, yes, absolutely amazing. Such an incredible tool for women and for men. Um, 
not only for women in discovering their own bodies and discovering how how they want to be pleased and how things feel and what to do, right. but for men who are like, I don't know how a vagina works. I don't know, like, what's the difference between a vagina and labia? Yeah. Like, they're, we oftentimes are literally not taught these things. Right. We are taught how to make babies, how to not have babies, mm-hmm. you know, diseases, how to not get diseases. Right. But that's it. Where yeah. boys have... I mean, you have sperm, you have things that are, that are moving and changing and boys very right. quickly either learn how to masturbate or discover like, Ugh, your body's going to do something on their own. Yeah. Right. Whereas with, with women and with girls, it's either, you know, don't do that. Like there's no biological impulse to, to force us to do that right. in the same way that right. it does for people who have penises. Right. It doesn't happen spontaneously. Yes, when exactly. We're, you know, exactly. Going through puberty. Yeah. <laughs> so whereas, you know, people who are born with penises, I think oftentimes have an easier chance just connecting with their body and figuring things out. Right. Those of us who are born, born with labias and vaginas, it, it, it's, I mean, even the fact that it's internal, mm. you know, it's like, I, I, I'm well acquainted with my hands. I know what my hands look like. I know what they right. do. And I'm kind of working you can go with your them whole every life day. And never look at that part of your body. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I was genuinely like significantly into my twenties. I, I mean, I'd already left my ex-husband the first time I was like, oh, maybe I should see what this looks like. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too. Absolutely. And I remember being yep. shocked. Huh? What's going on here? Right? <laughs> yeah. And even that, like that realization that I was shocked at what my pussy looked like. Yep. It's just like, Ooh. Yeah. Cause it's not, and this is something that I've, I've really been trying to connect with lately is my pussy is not, this thing on my body like my pussy is my body like mm. my my vagina my labia my clitoris of your body. yes this is a part of me also mm. i want to look up this thing i'm you, you keep telling your story but there's mm. there's an account on instagram i'm gonna look it up real quick and see what it's actually called um but if it's a good one to follow uh yeah it is just called this is a vulva Oh, um, but highly recommended uh, just for normalization of what vulvas look like. It's different mixes of art oh. and different things. Uh, it's pretty, but also just a lovely. It is a lovely, necessary account. Awesome. So, What's it called? This is a vulva. This is a vulva. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Worth doing, everyone. Okay, continue. Yeah, perfect. I, I'm definitely gonna go check that out. Not to be confused with the very popular Instagram account. This is a Volvo. Which is just pictures of cars. You can follow that one too, and it will probably be less exciting. But I'm sorry, that was such a bad joke. I'm so sorry for that. Thanks, Dad. That was my fun little squeaky giggle. I I love it. I like it when we get there. Yeah, it's fun. This is. I, I, I'm just fascinated to listen, and I don't have mm-hmm. much to contribute because this is this is a phenomenal conversation for women about women or, or people with vaginas. But I, I just have to say, like, as you were like telling that whole story, like you like come alive. Yeah, like, you, this brings life to you. Yes. And what's so cool about that is that um, I don't know. Like, I started envisioning you just in like Gal Gadot's like Wonder Woman, like. <laughs> because you're such a champion right literally right now mm. in, in in this work this is so, like i'm just mm. so amazed and impressed Thank and that you. and that like i mean yes it's brave and it's vulnerable and it's all those things and it and in and, and for someone to be able to step up and say like if not me who like yeah. to to recognize that about yeah. the world that we're in yeah. and then about your experience like 
Absolutely. You're like I, a pussy I'm... prophet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god, I want a shirt that says that. That's a better title. Yes, all the, <laughs> the pussy prophet. Oh, but it's I true. It. it matters so much because yeah. it, it it sets people free. Like it there's does. a freedom in it. There's this a this is a prison. Yeah, and not even just. I mean, there's two sides of that. Like there's empowerment through learning about sex and sexuality and, mm-hmm. and, and that's, yes, that's going to help you escape the prison, but there's also letting go of the shackles of guilt. Right. Like you don't have to participate in sexual activity to let go of the shame surrounding Absolutely. sexual activity. Yeah. Like just being sex positive doesn't mean, doesn't mean you want to fuck everyone. Doesn't mean you no. want to fuck anyone. Of course not. Yeah. That's yeah. the only negative side effect to me being open and discussing sex is there are people who interpret that as I want to fuck everyone mm. right. or I specifically want to fuck them. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is something that it's a, it's the society we live in. Right. Yeah. Because why would a woman be talking about sex and sexuality if, with you or around you if she didn't want to fuck you? Right. right. Speak the proverbial you being human beings with penises. Right. Who want to put those penises in women. Mm. Um, so that's something that like I actually I, – I post a lot on my personal Facebook page about sex and sexuality, and mm-hmm. y'all have seen it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and partly because of the society we live in, I mean, I, I am very comfortable with my own nakedness and my own nudity. Mm-hmm. I genuinely, and this is a, a very real reflection of my whiteness, I feel genuinely oppressed when I have to put a bathing suit top on. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm just like, fuck y'all motherfuckers. Like mm-hmm. really, you yeah. can't handle a little bit of tit. Like mm-hmm. yeah. these are secondary sexual characteristics, the same as a beard, mm-hmm. like it comes on during yeah. puberty. Like yeah. this is not my genitals. You know, this is not sex. Like if you see my breasts as something sexual, boo, that's on you. Like right. that is not me. So right. anyways, like I said, reflection of my whiteness that that's when I feel my most oppressed is when I have to cover my tits. Um, <laughs> I sped through that cause I realized it's just such an insane statement to make. Um, but a beautiful sentence. But also, yeah. I Gorgeous. wish that could be the episode mm-hmm. title, but, um, Oh shit, but where, where was I? Um, just being comfortable with your Yes. Nudity. Oh, comfortable with nudity. Um, oh, so, um, posting pictures. Mm, yeah. I find myself really unable to post revealing pictures mm-hmm. of my body yep. because I fear those two things being tied together. Right. That I can talk about sex, but if I show off my body. Mm. So I even, um, a couple years ago, my husband and I went to Miami. Mm-hmm. We went to South Beach. Yep. And I had basically like a little kind of thong. It was actually, it was a bathing suit bottom. I'm putting quotes around that, um, that I bought at a, a, a store for stripper clothes. Mm-hmm. I don't know right. how to best say that, but yeah, a place where you buy clothes to be a stripper. Right. Um, right. and they're super sexy and amazing and like highlight your body in ways that are supposed to say, look, look at how sexy I am. Right. Right. And, um, so I was wearing this tiny little thing at the beach and, and it was amazing. So it's South Beach. And like, I was not even, like, I literally started with like a little bathing suit top, this little thong underwear. And I had like a, uh, like a, almost like a crocheted black dress mm. that was like a tank top dress that like went down to my knees. And that's literally when we first started walking on the beach, I was wearing that. So I was literally like wearing a dress right. at the beach until I saw enough other asses that I was like, okay, I can take this off. Right. Um, and it was, again, that fear of judgment, that fear of being slut-shamed, that fear of that side-eye glance that would make me go, oh, do I need to be covered? Mm. So my husband had taken a picture of me from behind, like a picture of my butt. It was this great picture. And I remember I had, not that I had to ask him to do this, but I I asked him if he could post it from his account and tag me in it mm. because him posting a picture of me was like, 
oh, look at my gorgeous, amazing wife. Right. Yeah. Yet me putting a picture that had my own, you know, ass exposed. I mean, mm-hmm. wearing a thong um, was just like a, is this guy, is that going to be too much, too much look at me? Right. So that is something I am still working on. That is yeah. something I am still processing. And a lot of that just comes down to my lifetime of insecurities mm. and that fear of feeling judged and how much of myself I had slash have sculpted to be this socially acceptable mm. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, even a part of my like, the part of how I say hello to people. It's like mm-hmm. this welcoming, hello, how are you? Like, I love you, come in, yeah. we're doing this thing. It's, it's instantly making people comfortable in my presence. Right. And so not wearing things that I thought cried for attention, that I wouldn't have someone's judgment. I wouldn't have someone mm-hmm. look at me and me catch that, that gaze and then feel insecure. Um, so I'm saying probably my homework for this is to post a, a revealing picture of myself <laughs> oh, on like social it. media. <laughs> I like it a lot. It's good homework. It's good homework. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So finding that balance between being expressive of my own sex and sexuality and my own journey while at the same time living in a culture that continues to vilify women and their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And continues to place patriarchal expectations on who women are supposed to be mm. and what it means if we behave in a particular way. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's a powerful journey that we are all on. And I am still on that journey. I mm-hmm. certainly have not arrived at any particular destination <laughs> in my own sexual exploration and, and figuring, figuring out my body and figuring out myself and figuring out what I want and what I don't want, what I like and what I don't like. And being open and just fucking talking about this shit. Yeah. Like just, like just this, just fucking talking about it. Yeah. I mean, even like me saying like, okay, I should probably just post a picture of myself on social media, me in a bathing right. suit. And fuck, I'm hanging out with a friend at a pool tomorrow. God damn it. <laughs> I have no excuse now. I have recorded it. Ain't that funny how the world works. Uh-huh, absolutely. And I actually have not worn a bathing suit since I started um, extending my tattoo. Mm. Um, oh, fun. so my, my 10 years ago, I finished a back tattoo that took me 37 hours and now I'm about 26 hours mm. into kind of extending it. Um, okay. I'm literally now just like, like psyching myself up to like, okay, tomorrow you're going to a pool and yeah. you're going to be with a friend who's a photographer. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. This is good. This is good. This is good. It's very good. My armpits are sweating, <laughs> but this is good. Perfect. <laughs> so, so even this, I guess this is really good that I'm doing yeah. this because this is like giving an honest and vulnerable reflection of like, even though I am so comfortable with nudity and I'm so comfortable with talking about sex, when I put the two together, I instantly mm. feel vulnerable mm-hmm. and I feel open to not only attack, but for someone trying to manipulate, someone trying to weasel their way mm. in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't... That, yeah. I don't have an answer to that yet because that's that's still my reality and right. I guess still just something I'm processing. And it, but it's also it's not just that's not just my shit. That's not just my story. That's a reflection of our society. That's, right. Exactly. Absolutely. That is one. It's so much a reflection of the world that we live in. Yes. And, and it and it just it breaks my heart that like mm-hmm. that that is your reality and, yep. yeah. and all women's reality and you know 
I, I related a little bit. I, I took a picture last night in, with a, t- a tank top that I got that ha- it's like gays. It says gays in really fun font. Uh-huh. And the Y is a, a burly, like thick. We use the, mm-hmm. the, the word T-H-I-C-C. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> thick boys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like he's he's just making a Y with his body. And I was like, I want to like post the picture where I'm like doing the thing that he's doing on my shirt. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I like, struggled with it so, so mm-hmm. much. Like which one? Mm-hmm. I took, there's like 20 on my phone right now. Yeah. Like, right angle. I don't I'm, want it to be too I'm like... always afraid of people finding all of the rejected stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> There's so many guys. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it, it is, it's a journey that a lot of men are on too. Uh, but it, it's, it is completely 100% a reflection of our society because that's, yeah. I mean, the whole time I'm thinking like, what if this person sees it? What if that person right. sees well, it? Well, they say it. Yeah, like, and and, and mm-hmm. it's just silly because all I wanted to do it's, it's just like it's not you even, wanted to be you it's right. exactly it's right. just that i just was like i just want to take this picture i feel good mm-hmm. in this shirt mm-hmm. i look good mm-hmm. in this shirt like i want i just want to do it, it, yep. it and it's representing me in the way i want to be represented yeah. like i like this idea of thick and i like you know all these things and it just was so hard to get there yeah mm-hmm. Ah, oh, and it's exhausting. And that's just my little experience like yeah. everything you've been talking about this whole time like women y'all have it so hard I think yeah. It, yeah, and I, I mean, I really do, as a woman, I will say, I really do feel like it, women do have it hard, but we also have a lot of conversation around it. Mm. Women have a lot of body pause conversation going on. There's a mm-hmm. lot of representation on Instagram. There are Absolutely. a lot of people. Now you can curate your Instagram feed to get body positive women. The freaking warriors come through mm. with this. Yeah. So like, and it's amazing. And even like, I was noticing last week, so American Eagle, I'm, I like American Eagle a lot. They stopped, they stopped photoshopping or editing their photos in 2014 so oh, nice. like all their swimsuit models have cellulite and different and they use different and for women especially they've used a pretty wide variety of shapes and colors uh, nice. in their representation is gorgeous but even they just i just started noticing now on their website that because for a long time it was all these different bodies for women but all of their men still look like abercrombie oh, and just now they've got some real skinny dudes on there they've got some thicker dudes on there they've got some uh, less masculine, a little bit genderqueer, a little bit this, that, and the other uh. thing kind of vibe going on in their male. And I was just like, this, though, because mm, that, that too, yeah. while women, yes, the problem is a lot more visible. We've got, yeah. uh, but I think for men, too, like, there's less talk about it. Like, yeah. a lot of men are going mm. through the same thing, but there are fewer resources, really. Absolutely. So men don't sit around talking about how they no, feel about no. their bodies. Yeah. I was, and I was about to say that, like, it's it's kind of a violence thing. Like, mm. women, are you're so subject to potential violence because, right. because mm. of this. But but also, so are men. A different yeah. type of violence. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but, but yeah, it, it's violence all around. Like, we're just awful to each other. Right. Yes. <laughs> well, and it's real Absolutely. taboo to take a picture celebrating your body if you're a dude, unless you're like a super buff gym dude. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. nobody, nobody like yeah. does, I just yeah. feel sexy today selfie as a dude. Like that's an unusual mm-hmm. thing to do. And so, whereas women, like there's more of a context for that. Mm-hmm. I yes. think people are like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're reclaiming this and you're doing yeah. this yes. and your body pause and all that stuff. So I don't know. I do think it's a really, I think it is one of the areas where even like maybe especially the average cis straight white dude is really repressed and yeah. and suffering from this sort yeah. of thing and I, I think there's a lot to talk about in that so i'd love to do a whole body positivity absolutely masculine yes. feminine episode and that would be great yeah um, i think it would be really good yeah, yeah. i think that we should fucking talk about we should fucking shit. talk about it because i mean that that ties back in to toxic masculinity right that like there is yes this ideal woman that she's, I mean, 
quotes, society says there's this ideal woman who's, mm. you know, lady in the streets, freaking the sheets, all, you know, all these things that come to right. that. Yet with a man, the number one thing you should do is not express your emotions or not be seen <laughs> right. as being weak. Yeah. That women like, you know, oh, we're just these weak creatures that mm-hmm. we're going to cry and we're going to be emotional and, and, oh, we're just crazy, but that's just, that's just women. Right. Whereas, I mean, the first time that I had a boyfriend who, who would cry in front of me, I mean, I don't think it's crazy or I don't think it's, it's a coincidence that he was the first man I was able to have an orgasm with mm. because he was able to be so vulnerable with me. Right. And I remember there was a time like before I'd ever had my first orgasm where we had sex and I didn't orgasm and I was feeling emotional and I was you know, started to cry and he was holding such amazing space for me and processing through it with me that he started crying. Mm. And it was just this beautiful moment of like, he's not affected by the fact that I can't have an orgasm in a like, I'm angry or this challenges my masculinity right. or, you know, threatened. I, I don't want to have a uh, threatened. That's the word I was looking for, yeah. threatened. But instead he was able to just emote with me that was mm. just like, I am so sorry that this frustrating. Yeah, this is frustrating yeah. for you. And this is emotional. And this, you know, this isn't reflective of who you are as a person. Right. And, you know, like just that kind of a thing. Um, so yes, toxic masculinity and emotions and being able to be vulnerable and allowing ourselves to find that connection, to find that space together. It takes all of us. It takes all people, all genders, mm-hmm. all everything to really be in this space of, all right, let's fucking do this shit. Yeah. Right. You know, like I yep. think absolutely everyone, 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 everyone needs to go to therapy right. at some point. Um, I am just going to do my own little vulnerable confession right now and Last week, doing the OMG Yes thing, it, it was amazing. It was beautiful. It was everything that I wanted it to be. Everything that I could possibly have hoped it was going to be. And I knew that I was going to need some emotional aftercare afterwards. Right. Yeah. I knew exactly what I was going to need. But here's the thing about having needs and knowing what they are. If you don't express them to your partner, your partner doesn't know. Right. Mm. So even though I had said, like, oh, I'm going to need emotional aftercare, I hadn't said, like, so it's entirely possible I'm just going to need you to hold me while I cry. Like yeah. that might be a thing that comes right. up for me. And yeah. so when tears did come, he was like, but you said that it was this great experience. Right. You, you, right. Like, I don't, I don't right. understand. Like he, because all I had done, like we FaceTimed while I was in San Francisco and, and I was like, this has been amazing. Everything I said was positive right. because I processed with the people on set. I talked about a lot of, you know, abuse that I've experienced or things that challenged me. I cried in the shower. I had these quiet, vulnerable moments. Right which is of course, I think a part of all of our stories, but I can only speak for myself. That has certainly been a part of my story is feeling in private and being perfect in public. Oh yeah, And even, sure. it was just kind of amazing to think that I, I had even done that with my fucking partner. Mm-hmm. That he was, when the tears came, he had no, he did not understand because mm-hmm. I had talked only in positive terms. Mm-hmm. I'd only put it this positive face forward. And so something that really came up for me was realizing I, I'm actually going to go back to therapy. Hmm. Um, I did t- like a lot of intensive therapy 10 years ago, and it was huge for me understanding my childhood and right. where I was and why I hadn't had orgasm and all of these things. And I realized I've kind of hit this little hiccup of I have my anxiety under control for the most part. Hmm. I have certain reactions under control for the most part, but I'm finding that there are certain things where my anxiety comes up and it's just like, okay, hi, hi, I've, you know, I know that if I exercise, that's great for it. But a year and a half ago, I ended up injuring myself because every time I felt anxious, I would go work out 
and I was working out so much mm-hmm. and probably not eating enough because I was stressed out that I right. ended up injured and I had to take three months off of working out. Mm-hmm. And so that was the cycle of that totally worked in right. terms of like, you know, okay, this expressed my, my got me endorphins and I right. felt better. Um, and so where I am now is, and th- this is the, like the vulnerable, hard to admit is in spite of all of these things that I could say, look at how, look at how great I am. Look at this work that I've done. Look at where I am. There's still this part of me. It's like, no, I think I need to actually just go talk to a professional a mm-hmm. little bit because yeah. I'm noticing things come up and not even like I have to talk about this thing or I have to talk about that thing, but just the anxiety that comes up, the feelings mm-hmm. that come up. Um, so yeah, it's, that was something that even coming into today, I was like, okay, I'm going to say this on the recording that I'm mm-hmm. going back to it. therapy because it isn't important because I'm sitting here talking about all of these things that I have mastered and how far I've come in my life but I still have room for improvement. Both and. Both and, All yes. these things that you've done in your life, yes. how far you've come, yes, 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 yes. and you and. still have room for improvement. Yes. Oh, thank you for that. It's, that. It is oh. important the way that we speak about these Kate, things. My, my Kate does that to me all the time. And mm. Karen, and. So that's her. We'll yeah. That. But yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. Mm. We should fucking talk about this shit. We should fucking talk it. about this shit. Yeah. Absolutely. It's true. Yeah. It's the truest thing. Yeah. Thank you so much. We love you. We so love you. Uh, Your your last episode is still one of our highest listened to episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. they love love you. We love you, everybody. I love you, heathens. Thank you for being in mutual love with me. (laughs) Everybody's gonna be very glad to have you back. (laughs) Thanks for being our sex champ. Yay! Absolutely, our pussy prophet. Yes, pussy prophet. Pussy prophet. The (laughs) pleasure of the pussy. All the things. All the things. Yeah, totally work. Totally work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. It is. Thank you. This is true. Thank you. Yeah. True thing. I mean, is it? It is setting people free. Mm. Mm. Fuck yeah, it is, man. Matters in ways that we all need. Ugh. Just being able to take take the weights off. Yep. Take the yoke off yeah. and set it aside. Lay your go, burdens oh. down. Lay your burdens <laughs> down, Come to me and I will give you rest. <laughs> <laughs>